Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Socialist Vision. Today's episode, we discuss Socialism 2017, a Socialist Conference in Chicago. This is a 90-minute discussion, and we invite you to call in at 347-857-1319. All right, all right. We're back in the house. This is Brother Bakari and Brother Carl. Yes, yes, yes. All right, we hear everybody here. So we're definitely uh, honored today to have a guest on our show. Um, we have Brother Brian Bean from the uh, socialistworkers.org, an um, international socialist organization. And he's come to talk to us about an exciting conference, the Socialist Conference um, in Chicago. Uh, when, I said, when I saw it, it said Socialism 2017, I'm like, damn, have we already arrived or what? But anyway, <laughs> it's really great, to, really great to see uh, this conference going on. So we thought uh, we had uh, 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 representatives come on and talk about the conference for some of our uh, listeners who may not know about it or you do know about it, you know, and just kind of talk about it. And I really, I wish that I was being able to go, uh, and unfortunately I can't go but this time, but I definitely plan to uh make it a plan next year to, to participate because I know this conference has been uh, not the first time this conference has been held. So welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show, y'all. No problem, no problem. And you're calling out of Chicago, so definitely that's great as well. So you're right there at home. You know what's going on there. So, so Brian, what I want to do is first talk, is talk, about, uh, talk about the conference in terms of, you know, the speakers, the workshops, and the purpose of the conference, how long has it been going mm-hmm. on. Just tell us you know, as much about it that is possible, and uh, you know who's sponsoring the conference. And then I want to, after you kind of do that, I want to talk a little bit about you know your views about you know how do you describe socialism and what are some of the you know what is the kind of organizational model of the international socialist organization, you know those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of just kind of go more into kind of political, economic kind of um, topics and issues after we talk about the conference. And I know that you only can be on for an hour, so that's great. Uh, we can get a lot done in an hour. So, yeah, just kind of open it up and talk to us about the background of the conference and what's about, what it's about. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so the, uh, the Socialism Conference is an event that we've been doing for, for many years. Um, it's co-sponsored by uh, Haymarket Books, which is a, a left-wing uh, publisher, um, the International Socialist Review, um, the International Socialist Organization uh, that I'm a part of, which is the publisher of the newspaper Socialist Worker, uh, socialworker.org. Um, and this year we're happy to add uh, Jacobin Magazine as an official co-sponsor. Um, and so we've been doing it a number of years, and I think that it's probably, I think, the largest socialist conference in the United States. So it's, you know, one of the places where we have people, not just in our organization, but activists and revolutionaries and socialists from all over the country who can come to Chicago to engage in a weekend of discussion and debate about everything from theory and and history of the struggles that have come before us and also, I think, a lot of discussion and strategy about the struggles that we're currently um, engaged in and the world that we want to see. Um, And so I think that this year is um, particularly important, um, and we've seen the registrations. Uh, We have the registration numbers are double what they had at this time last year, 
I think because that the reason is that, you know, over the past year we saw socialism to stop being a, a dirty word in the United States with the popularity of the Sanders uh, campaign. And then directly at the end of that, um, we saw the unfortunate election of the uh, orange uh, bigot-in-chief uh, Donald Trump and mm-hmm. a uh, eruption of anger and resistance against him and everything that he represents. And so in that situation, people are like, how can we get this better world and are looking to and flock into socialist politics as an answer? And so the Socialism Conference is one place where we can have a, a political uh, weekend with anyone who thinks that generally we need socialism to talk about, you know, how can we get there? Mm-hmm. This, is, this, is, this is Carl. Um, welcome um, to the show. I, I, as part of the little background um, for our audience, um, can you give us a little history of what gave rise to this particular type of conference and how long you guys have been in existence? And what was the, the initial thinking around the conference it, itself um, as you know, kind of like the origin of, of it, hmm. of it all. Um, well, I think, unfortunately, I can't go to the the deep history, uh, but I know that the conference we have done um, for for many many years, and it definitely started with a more modest approach, in which it was like a socialist summer school, and mostly focused on like training and developing, like, our immediate membership. But I think as we have grown and I think as just consciousness uh, around things in the United States have changed, I think we see the need to have a broad left platform uh, to get people together to talk about ideas um, and to debate them as well. And that transition took place uh, in 2000 or in the 90s? or When did that you know, unfortunately, I don't know the, the, the back history of that. Um, I've been involved uh, with it for about uh, six years or so, um, and oh, then I attended okay. mm-hmm. for, for three years before that. And so in that time, uh, we have been doing them, um, and they've been oh. slowly getting bigger. Um, and a couple years ago, we saw uh, an increase. And then this year, I think we're expecting, um, fingers crossed, I think the largest ever. And you're, and you're seeing, I, I see you have the speakers, um, John Kuzak, who's the actor. You have Amy Goodman, a lot of people might know her, uh, on Democracy Now. Um, mm-hmm. The author, Sharon Smith, uh, who wrote the book Women and Socialism. And I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. mispronounce her name, but Kianka Amadi Taylor, who wrote a book yeah. by, uh, From BLM to Black Liberation. So there's some of your speakers there. And, uh, and so you have, I would imagine you have speakers and you also have workshops or the or the mainly just speakers and everybody's in the same room. How how is that? How is it breaking down? Yeah. So we have over four days, um, about okay. oh, okay. 150 different sessions, um, okay. and so at any one given time, there'll be about 13 meetings going on, um, and some mm-hmm. of the meetings will have 50 people in them. Some of them will have hundreds, um, and. Right. Most of the meetings, uh, we really aim to have them not be how, you know, in capitalist education, 
uh, information is received in which you have someone who talks and people who listen, but we have some mm-hmm. of the, the people and the, the big-name speakers who will, you know, say some opening remarks and then a facilitated discussion with everybody in the room uh, because we think that that's uh, how, how things should be run. Um, but, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the speakers lineup this year is really exciting. I think it, it contains yeah. a number of sort of uh, big-name people like Amy Goodman, the comedian Hari Kondabalu, who is fantastic, um, you know, and, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of good academics um, like Donna Murch, who's a historian of the Black Panther Party, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, who wrote the Indigenous People's History of the United States, um, and then, like, other things like Michael Bennett, the NFL uh, uh, player for the Seattle Seahawks, who um, made news recently when he refused a, um, a NFL-sponsored trip to go to Israel because of the, the policies of the Israeli government. Um, and so, like, you mm-hmm. know, it'll be a little bit of everything for everyone, everything from sports and culture to, you know, uh, basic user's guide to Marxism, what does it mean when we say working class, uh, to uh, mm-hmm. some pretty exciting events. One of the ones that I'm really excited about is, of course, this year is the 40th anniversary of the Cumbie River Collective uh, statement, mm-hmm. which, you know, is one of the, the pioneering um, documents and, uh, of black feminism and intersectionality. And so we're doing a panel uh, called How We Get Three, the Cumbia River Collective, that have two of the original authors of it, Barbara Smith and Demita Frazier, um, along with mm-hmm. some um, current uh, people who I think have following in the tradition of it. So Barbara Ransby, Alicia Garza, one of the founders of, the, of Black Lives Matter, and then Kianga Yamada-Taylor, who, of course, uh, wrote From Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation. And so there's a little bit of, of, of something for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And just for our, our listeners here, the uh, uh, the price of the conference is is, is really nice and modest. About it's fifty dollars for the student rate, um, eighty five for the early bird uh, rate, which you need to get that in by the twenty fifth of this month. And the uh, mm-hmm. solidarity rate is one hundred and fifty. And then I guess uh, there is also the conference is being held at a at a at a hotel, so that you know if you want to stay there. Well, you know, you could do that, but also, I guess, you know, find other places to stay as well, right? Yeah. Okay. So so talk to us about, Brian Summit, because I know you're going to have a lot of uh, workshops, and uh, talk to us about some of the workshops that come to mind for you that, uh, that you know, that, that, that's nice. I mean, I'm not, I know there's going to be a lot more than you can, you can even list, but, I mean, just a few <laughs> that kind of stand out. And also – um, you talked about some of, you know, you anticipate some, some good debates and some struggles and strategies. What do you anticipate as some of those debates and strat- strategy issues that, uh, that will be discussed at, at the conference? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of the context of this conference happening is um, connected to the resistance against Trump. And I think that mm-hmm. the existence of the Trump administration and how best to, to fight him, I think, raises a lot of important questions uh, that, that need to be taken up. Um, and so I think one of them is uh, what do socialists say about free speech, um, particularly mm-hmm. on campuses, because we're seeing a situation in which the, the far right, you know, the, the most grotesque of the, the nether regions uh, of the right wing are presenting themselves on campuses, and they're doing it in a way that cynically uses uses free speech to try to justify their bigotry um, and their so-called right to say whatever they want. 
And so I think for, <clears throat> for, for people who are interested in trying to fight the far right and I think trying to also defend uh, college campuses, how we do that that doesn't ask for the state or administrations to, um, to, to censor the, the, this because mm-hmm. we know that the, the state and university administrations cannot be trusted. They're not on our side. Um, and that right. those, uh, the, those stoppages are only going to be directed at the left um, at the, 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 the quickest convenience for them. And I think how we, mm-hmm. how we fight the right and our orientation towards free speech, I imagine, is going to be a, a discussion that is going to be laced all throughout the, the conference. Um, I think another debate that is perennially um, a very important one, um, in, in my opinion, on the left, is also just about the question of the Democratic Party. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the need to ensure that uh, politically we remain independent from the Democratic Party and that is not just um, in the form of elections, I think is unfortunately not obvious to many on the left, but also having our movements that are independent of the, of the Democratic Party and sort of how to sort of maintain that independence uh, when uh, a lot of the predominant understanding of politics in America is that politics is uh, in, based entirely on the electoral cycle in every four years and that it that right. matters who's sitting in the White House as opposed to uh, what the great Howard Zinn said, which it matters more who is sitting in and not who is sitting in the, the White House. And to think that those right. are some of the questions um, that, that, that will take up. What, so what, uh, in terms of like, okay, so the International Socialist Organization is the one that's kind of heading it up and things of that sort. Talk to us a little bit about the International Socialist as an organization, um, you know, like, uh, I mean, I know it's been around for a while, um, but I've never, um, I don't know, I'm not sure if I've been, I know Carl, maybe you've interacted with people on it, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, the National Socialist Organization? Yeah. Um, so uh, the International Socialist Organization has been around for uh, 40 years, um, mm-hmm. and we, we're one of the co-sponsors of, of the organization. Um, I wouldn't say that we're okay. like the organizer of it, but uh, organizing with oh, a okay. number of other um, institutions. Um, but I mean, I think that our, our basic understanding is that um, we see that in order to have a world without exploitation and oppression, that, that we're going to have to have uh, socialism and that mm-hmm. socialism um, will not be brought about by figures on high or be elected in, but there'll have to be a revolution in order for that to occur. And that, that revolution must come from below. Um, we, uh, you know, stand in the, the legacy of Marx, of course, and Engels and Rosa Luxemburg and Lenin and Trotsky, and um, we, we uh, do not see uh, figures like uh, Stalin or Mao as things to, to exemplify. Um, but socialism from below, I think, would be the, the most clear articulation, I think, of our politics. Um, we're a national organization. Uh, we have branches and, like, I think over 50 cities in all the, the major cities. Um, and um, we aim to build uh, a revolutionary organization uh, in this country that also is connected to um, the struggles that are, that are going on. So we, we aim to ensure that our membership is very active um, in uh, the, the struggles that our class takes on, be they you know, for universal health care, uh, against deportations, 
against uh, the racist police um, and for a woman's rights to choose and reproductive justice um, and, and mm-hmm. for, for those sorts of things. So we see ourselves as a very active um, because um, I think that, uh, that, you know, what Marx says about how the self-emancipation of the working class must be carried out by the working class themselves, something that's really important to retain at the center mm-hmm. of a political tradition and a political practice. Carl, I'll give you a question too in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, one thing I want to say that the conference, as I got to say, this July 6th through the 9th. Uh, so I, I just, I didn't say that at the offset. So go ahead, Carl. Yeah, I, it's, um, it, there are many different left formations out there. And, um, and you, you made one distinction that uh, ISO is distinct from um, those that are Stalinist or Maoist. But in those, I, I could see in, in a question of, of those who are Stalinist. Um, but in question, how do you differ with those who, who perceive themselves as Maoist or the Maoist? perspective on the world. Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. curious. Um, yeah, so uh, another just sort of uh, because Bakari mentioned uh, the, the conference and the dates, uh, more information on the conference and also if you want to register online, um, you can find that mm-hmm. at socialismconference.org. Um, so that's right. That, there's that. A beautiful, page, um, a beautiful page too, well laid out, really great. Thank you, thank you. We're quite we're quite mm-hmm. proud of it. There's also a yeah. little promo video people should watch and, and share. Um, and in that mm-hmm. promo video, you see some of the plenary sessions, and you really see how mm-hmm. it. This is by far not an academic conference by any means, but like this is yeah, a conference definitely. of activists, of people who are doing things in the world and not just uh, not just talking about it. Um, you know, which again, right. it's like another another great Marxist. I think. Um, Thing to keep it hard. It's like you know, philosophers try to uh, interpret the world, but our goal is to change it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I mean, the, the question of, of Maoism. I mean, I think I think that could probably be a, a, a whole podcast in itself. And so, I'm a little bit sort of remiss to to sort of try to condense it into a, a short explanation. But I think that the first thing to note is um, that uh, I think it's also important for uh, leftists of different stripes to also be able to to work together um, in the day to day struggles um, mm-hmm. and not to sort of abstain from from working with with people because of um, things that people would understand to be like dogmatism um, at the same time, I think that we should be clear about our differences and continue to debate them out because I think the whole class benefits from open um, uh, political debate. Um, and so, I mean, I think that that we would differentiate from those who see themselves as inheriting um, uh, the, the the history of Mao, only because, I mean, I don't think that that China is a is a communist country. Um, my conception of socialism is one in which the workers democratically control the means of production, and that there's workers' democracy. And I think that from pretty soon after the, the, the second Chinese revolution, uh, there was a control by a, you know, a, a bureaucratic 
layer the party apparatus and not that, that workers' democracy. Um, so I think that Maoism also has a tendency to orient on um, uh, not on the working class, on other elements, uh, the, the peasantry in his time um, and, and other elements um, now. I think the reason for that is actually because Maoism is born of defeat um, in the sense where, you know, there was a, an earlier attempt at a revolution um, in China in uh, 1920, I believe. Um, and the, the actions of the Comintern, which was controlled by Stalin, meant that they brought in the nationalist um, party, the Kuomintang, uh, into the Comintern and armed them and trained them and then ordered the Chinese Communist Party, which was a, a mass-based party, to enter the, 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 the ranks of the Kuomintang. That was disastrous because uh, when the, the workers' struggle uh, raised up, there were massive general strikes. There were Soviets all over China, but the Kuomintang turned their back on that and actually murdered thousands of Chinese communists. And so because of that, because of the decimation of, of the cadre, uh, they made some tactical turns to then go into the countryside. And so Maoism, in some ways, is a politics based on the defeat of the, the, the Chinese Communist Party in, in an earlier attempt at revolution and then uh, giving up on the working class. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was, that yeah and that's, I was going to say also on the conference, which is, again, the, the website is socialismconference.org, which is I'm glad you guys were able to get that URL and claim it. Uh, but also <laughs> on the on the social media, the social media uh, hashtag is socialism 2017. So that's the hashtag mm-hmm. that you will see on Twitter or Facebook, and that's another way to uh, key into people. And it's just really interesting to see, um, you know, you know, young people, you know, tweeting uh, about this on on their on their Twitter space. Uh, that's just that's phenomenal. I mean, I I I know a lot of people have a lot of things to say about. Bernie and not being, you know, socialist enough or whatever, but I was just thoroughly uh, excited and just felt like, you know, somebody my age just to see young people, you know, give that kind of support and get into that campaign and him can, can get up and, and, and save democratic socialism um, was just, that makes my day. I mean, that makes the fact that all this time that, that I personally have been involved with the socialist movement uh, say that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a waste of time. And, and I know, you know, certainly he didn't win or anything like that, and certainly he's not pushing the kind of revolutionary socialism that we're talking about, but it is a movement step forward, and, and I'm excited about that. And I'm also, we had talked about this a little bit in our last show, you know, I think the time is right for socialism, really. I mean, I don't, I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that like in the way I used to say it back in the day when we just said it <laughs> and not really know what it meant, but I, I mean, seriously, I mean, you just kind of pushed it because that's what you're, supposed to do. I'm talking about in terms of, I was listening to um, what's his name? What's his, I forget his, name. his last name is Wolf. Um, he has, he's written some books on capitalism and things like that. So, Richard. But, yeah, Richard Wolf. I was listening to him today and, and, and it was like, you know, he, he, he pointed out the fact that, that socialism has to be better than capitalism. Right? I mean, it has to be better. It, it can't be just, you know, like some version of capitalism. Even communism has to be better than capitalism. And, and, and what I mean by that is that when people ask me, well, like, well, how do you define socialism then? You know, I already talk about that it has to be about real democracy, more democracy, not yeah. less. It really has to yeah. be about universal, universal health care, universal 
uh, education, universal, uh, getting rid of you know, nationalizing resources and, and things of this sort. We have to be able to define what that is. So I want to ask you, like, hey, you know, how do you, how do you explain that when somebody asks you? Because I'm always interested in how people explain what socialism is all about, even though I know, you know, you could spend a whole, well, we spent a whole show on it. We spent many shows <laughs> talking about it. But how do you explain it? And then two is, Brian, it's this question about workers, you know, because I think people can get very, um, they don't really understand what that means to have workers' control because the, the idea of the, the, the definition of workers now is much broader than what Marx was talking about in terms of, you know, the factory workers at the time. I mean, now we have people who you know, work in factories, but also people who work at McDonald's. We have people that work for mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, it's a different dynamic, and, we, and to me, we have to broaden the definition of what it means to be a worker because we, we clearly understand that there are capitalists, serious capitalists who own means of production. We know that there are like, I don't know, 60 people, 60 billionaires that have more wealth yeah. than the entire bottom half of the pop- yeah. fucking population. I mean, that, that's fucking, that just, that should just yeah. drive people fucking crazy, right? So how do you define, or how does your organization define socialism, and then how are you looking at this notion of what workers mean? Yeah, good questions. Um, but before I answer them, I wanted to go back and just kind of flag something you said that I think is real mm-hmm. important, um, and that's talking about uh, young people and the generational mm-hmm. dynamics. I think yeah. there's something very exciting uh, that's happening mm-hmm. right now. Um, I think if you look at all the major polls, um, majority of millennials and folks that are younger reject capitalism, um, and young people right. are more likely to favor socialism. I think what that means from person to person probably varies wildly, but I think that what you've seen is a couple things. One, I think people who don't have the uh, the the memory of the USSR, which unfortunately, you know cast socialism in a bad light because it continued to carry the name of being socialist way far after it ceased to be. I think the second thing is that if you look at capitalism's inherent uh, tendency to go into deep crisis, you see a situation post-2008, a crisis that has yet to be fixed, in which we're looking at a generation of young people who are looking at the first time, I think, in the post-World War II era, in which a generation is going to have a harder life than the previous one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, exactly. wages are so stagnant. The crisis continues. Austerity has just like decimated all elements of the social safety net that came in place after World War II. And so you have a, a whole layer of young people who are very, very palpably aware, not in like the academic sense, but in the in the, the, uh, their own very lives, that the system isn't working for them. And then when mm-hmm. people reach that conclusion, then they have to think, well, then what can we do about it? And more and more, I think right. people are beginning to, to understand socialism as something that's possible. So I just want to sort of say I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think there's something that's actually very, very important that is kind of shaking the, the foundations ideologically, um, not just in this country, but globally. I think we need to continue to pay attention to and orient to and be a part of um, as, as, as socialists. Um, exactly. But <laughs> your, your question <laughs> about what, <laughs> what socialism is, um, 
I mean, I think at its its essence, it is um, having a world in which everyone's basic needs are are taken care of, um, and that you have you know people before profits. And I think it goes back to um, by each according to their ability, for each according to their need, and that basic understanding from Marx. And at its root, I think it's, it's democracy. It's that, you know, we have the ability to control our lives, control how we, we use our labor, and control the fruits of our labor. And that's it, you know. It's like I would mm-hmm. tell someone, wouldn't it be great if you, in your workplace, were able to, to decide everything and that's replicated on a global scale would be what socialism is i mean it's quite simple and Mm -hmm. people see that um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as to the question about the working class um i mean yeah i think that we should reclaim we should reclaim worker because i think oftentimes you say working class in the united states and people envision you know some dude with a hard hat working in a factory Right. But, right. Um, you know, you, you're a worker in a certain sense, even from Marx, if you have to sell your labor power in order to mm-hmm. um, have your basic needs met. And so, yeah, I think that includes right. um, anyone who has to work for, for a wage. Um, I think neoliberalism has changed somewhat what that looks like because, you know, the atomization, people aren't working in the same large factory center um, in the United States as it is, um, and I think has raised challenges to organizing uh, because of the atomization of, of neoliberalism. At the same time, mm-hmm. I think if you think about working class from a global sense, um, the working class is actually more now um, like what Marx said than when Marx wrote. If you think about how you know, the majority of the working class globally is in China and India, and in those places, mm. it is concentrated in large factories. And so I think that we have to have an internationalist understanding about uh, what, what working class means, uh, broaden the definition to understand, you know, anyone who has to, to, to work for a wage, um, and also uh, understand that neoliberalism has problematized, but not completely changed it. I think that there's some theories on the left, like uh, the theory of the precariat, that, it, you know, the working class, is no longer, you know, the, the agent that, that Marx said it was and that it's not the working class. It's this, this thing called the precariat. And I think the working class now is more precarious, but it still, uh, I think, it has, has many of the, the basic traits that make it to be, the, I think, the only class that can free us all. Oh, and, and definitely in terms of relationships to, to, to power and, you know, again, selling your labor. We talked about that n- numerous times. And like I said, that's the reason why I think it runs across the board. I mean, there, there are certainly people who there are sectors of the population in the global economy that that when they produce stuff, they, they their production is is really more directly to tied to the 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 profits of of of, uh, of, of 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 capitalism. So so for example, if you have um, you know somebody you know factory workers producing cars uh, are much more tied closely to Capitalism than say teachers who are or paid by the state to to educate. So I mean, there's, maybe there's a, there's a slight difference between that, but they but they're both working class people. You know, if you have people that are working McDonald's, again, that's tied really closely to 
the uh, to capitalism in terms of uh, the profit side of that. So I so I, I just yeah. I just want to make sure that we clear that there, we have to have a broader definition of capitalism, but understand that we that they we're all workers unless you own the means of production, unless you have the kind of political power that puts you in the bourgeois class. Uh, we have a yeah. caller too. I'm gonna let the caller in. I'm gonna let the caller in. But Carl, do you want to go with another question? No, I, I think um, you, you guys raise a really good question in terms of uh, expansive notion or what they call narrative of what people perceive uh, what the working class is. Um, and I think the question that I, I'm most curious wanting to know is um, why haven't the left been more successful in um, mm. broadening the notions of, uh, of the working class First, and I know the, the bourgeoisie through the media and through all their various outlets will continuously narrow the, their um, conception of what the working class is, uh, predominantly white, hard hat, or in the factory. Um, um, you know, they have this negative connotation of what the working class is. But why haven't we been more successful um, and what are those challenges of changing the narrative where the working class is, the, the notion of the working class is much broader. In fact, the vast majority of the, of the American population and, and, and now a vast majority of the world population is a part of the working class. Um, and why is that? And what do you think we ought to do to really change that Um uh, uh, you know what? You know, I don't know propaganda or what, but what mm-hmm. can we, uh, what can we do to really shift that notion that people? Uh, because I think people feel more comfortable, like ninety-nine percent to one. Uh, to say you're part of the working class, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. Um, no, I'm part of the uh, the middle class, or no, I'm just poor. Um, and and I'm not saying that. Those are people' initial uh, um, uh, analysis of perspective, largely because the bourgeois media has been very effective. But what can we do to turn it this around? Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think two things. I think the first is that struggle is going to help turn it around. I think that you know I could craft the most ingenious pamphlet or social media campaign. And I think that the, the greatest shift in class consciousness in the past couple of years has been the Occupy movement. Um, and like you said, the, the sort of understanding of the 99% and the 1%. And that continues to resonate yeah. today. Um, right. And so I think there's an element of that that I think is going to be worked out in struggle. Because when people, you know, go into struggle, when they see that, you know, they want universal health care, and most people want universal health care, and there's a small group of people who don't want that, and they profit from that, like people begin to understand it that way, and that begins to sort of break down problems. Uh, but I think the second answer to the question is I think that, like, the effectiveness of the left and the way in which some of the, the, the hegemony and the understanding of people as being class consciousness has to be connected with the overall defeats the left has taken over the past 40 years. And so, you know, we're standing now at the, at the, the end of an ongoing 40 years boss's offensive that has happened 
with the, the destruction of, you know, the mass left organizations all around the country. And so I think that, like, the destruction of those left parties, those left sort of, you know, the, the falling away of unions as being the, the robust um, fighters that they have been in the past because of the 40 years bosses offensive, like, a weaker left is just not going to be able to talk to uh, as convincingly and provide the answers to the people like it has before. Um, Trotsky talks about the left organization being the collective memory of the working class. And so if those organizations are, you know, atrophied and destroyed by bad decisions and going to the Democratic Party and Stalinism and neoliberalism, then it makes sense that the collective memory is going to be weaker. And so I think what we do is, I think, continue to struggle alongside of people and talking about the importance of a class-based mass approach to, to fighting all sorts of things. And I think that just building left organization, I think there's no substitute for that and building up the, the organization that is going to be able to train new layers of, of socialists and cadres who are able to go out and convincingly explain to people that, you know, there are two classes, the class that owns and the class that doesn't. And, you know, we can free everyone if the class that doesn't owns everything. Right. Right. You, I, I was looking at the uh, the website, too, is, you know, and, and, it, and uh, just to let people know more about the conference is that, um, you know, they will have, they do have, will have child care, professional child care there. Um, it will be wheelchair accessible. Um, you have to, you know, get your own food uh, as well if you don't have, uh, you might want to book early if you want to try to get a hotel uh, there as well. Um, yeah, but um, so I just want to kind of give that information out to people. So, let, but let's go back to a little bit about uh, you know the organization, your organ, the organ, international socialist organization. I mean, that, that you're a member of that organization as well, Brian. Yes, I am. Okay, so so talk to us a little bit about like. I mean, this international Socialist is not a, a political party, if I understand. So, like, what are you guys pushing in terms of, like, how people, how how do you, how do you talk to people about how you envision this this revolution coming about? I mean, I know that one of the things that that we we talked about when the Bernie campaign was going down, you know, we were saying, look, you know, Bernie's just you know one moment in time. We we utilize the Bernie movement, the Bernie you know, run for president. We utilize that for what it is right now, but that doesn't mean we still don't build organization. We don't still build movements. You know, we do all that. We're just looking at, we don't get stuck in this, you know, like party thing. But at the same time, I do think that, you know, at some point we have to have, we have to build a strong yeah. party and we have to run as yeah. a left party and run candidates. And so yeah. how, what is you all's position on that kind of thing, on that, that kind of approach? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we uh, we're the International Socialist Organization and not the uh, International Socialist Party. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think I think part of that is I think a certain humility that I think that is important to have that you know we're not going to be the party that leads the successful socialist revolution just because we say we are now. And that you right. know we actually want to be something that has a mass approach, um, and so we think that we need to have a, a revolutionary party in order for there to be successful socialist revolution. I think that's something that mm-hmm. that we we hold the Russian Revolution, which you know hundredth 
uh, anniversary is coming up this October as as how it would occur. And we know that one of the reasons why that one is because of the existence of a mass revolutionary party. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I think that we don't have an understanding that we're going to get to that party just by, like, putting up a flag and saying, come to us, but that you have to have um, mass layers of people who have an understanding, and that's what's needed. And so I think relating to struggle and being part of, of mass struggle and activism is, is one of the things that can get us there. Um, I think that mm-hmm. in, in the spirit of beginning to make the connections of building uh, parties and electoral formations uh, before we get to that point, we do work with um, um, we do work with various sort of electoral campaigns as long as they're independent of the Democratic Party, uh, but with an understanding okay. that we also don't want to become too much just doing electoral work entirely. Um, but so. Um, we endorsed uh, Jill Stein in the last presidential election and did work getting right. her um, on the ballot in, in many states. Um, here in Chicago, we ran um, uh, not as ISO candidates, but in conjunction with other community groups and other left organizations, a series of aldermen in the aldermanic races, uh, one of which was called mm-hmm. the Chicago Socialist Campaign, which was uh, an alliance of a number of different socialist groups and community organizations that ran an immigrant rights um, activist, Jorge Mujica, for for an alderman um, in Chicago. Um, One of our members, uh, Brian Jones, uh, ran um, as the lieutenant governor, I think that's the the term, uh, on the Green Party uh, uh, slate in New York um, a couple years ago with Howie Hawkins who ran for, for, for the governor. Um, and we are currently looking at um, probably endorsing um, a, um, a, a woman who is running for the mayor of Seattle uh, on a non-democratic basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I'll let people see- know that uh, also to go check out the socialistworker.org, and, uh, which is kind of the online magazine or newspaper there, and uh, subscribe to it. I, I do subscribe to it, even though I don't always have a lot of time to read a lot of the a lot of a lot of material that comes out of that. It keeps a lot, particularly articles about current uh, issues as well. And I know that you write for the for the magazine and the newspaper. And uh, so, want to, to let people know to go check that out. And if you're not subscribing to it, uh, definitely do that. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I think it was, somebody was talking. Carl, were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I, I was just curious about it. Um, I, you indicated that um, in the electoral arena, uh, you principally um, engage in the electoral arena uh, with the uh, alternative um, parties. So how do you see the Democratic Party, one, uh, particularly when vast majority of you know, working people and people of color are part of the Democratic Party. Um, how do you move them from the Democratic Party to a much more working class, progressive type of uh, party? How do you guys see that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you have to build a left alternative that people see and are convinced by. Um, because while the Democratic Party 
um, is a capitalist party that still draws its main support from working-class organizations like unions and oppressed people like African-Americans in the country. Um, it, people aren't satisfied with it. I think that you know, in the past two weeks, while the, the Trump scandal has reached epic proportions, you know, you've seen the opinion polls of the Democrats fall, which they only have like a 40% approval rating. And so I think that there's mass dissatisfaction in the party. I think it's just continuing to build an alternative and continuing to argue against the rationale that is given every election cycle for why you should vote for something you don't want. And that's, you know, that they're the lesser of two evils. And if you don't vote for a Democrat Y, then something horrible will happen. And the thing is that equation is told to us every four years and never any exit from that. And so I think the only exit from that is be a part of trying to build something different, be a part of building the social movements and building left organization that over and over again clearly expresses that until unions, until social movements, and until the left breaks from the Democratic Party, it's going to go down that, that, that dead end every four years. But um, yeah. I, 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 I can't speak um, directly in terms of um, those who are in labor union, but among the black working class base, it is extremely difficult to move from the Democratic Party, even though it lets them down every single time, to mm -hmm. an alternative party that possibly cannot defend, have the capacity to win, to, in a sense, to win to protect their interests. So from a from a black working class perspective, the reason why they consistently keep coming back to the well with the Democratic Party is they look at it from a very pragmatic and, and calculate, calculating that given the, re, the reality, I rather just deal with this one that is terribly bad, but at the least it will not make it worse for me versus going with the Republican Party who will make it worse. So how do you break this conundrum where there, you can demonstrate that, hey, we're not going to sell you out. Um, we're going to be, be the most consistent, solid um, uh, electoral party that's just not going to give you rhetoric, but actually going to actually make things happen. So um, how do you how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I think the last part of what you said is the answer. I think that while the Democrats always pretend like they have the interests of, of black people in this country um, in mind, it is over and over again dispelled um, in which under Obama, you know, the first black president, the apotheosis of, of black power in a certain way, you know, you saw an economic crisis occur in which black America lost a third of its wealth, a third of its wealth, and nothing happened. You know, you've seen uh, unemployment rate and poverty increase, you know, exponentially under Obama and a Democratic administration that had a supermajority at the beginning. 
And not only that, but you saw the most important black rebellion against police terror and racism under his presidency. And I think the reason why it developed is because of those contradictions, because there was you know, someone sitting in the White House who professed to have the best interests of black America in mind, and actually things got worse. And so I think, yeah, this the last thing you said, I think just fight for the things that, that matter to people, and you're going to get that way. You know, let's put a moratorium on foreclosures uh, because we know that, that foreclosures and evictions disproportionately affect African-American people. Let's say, you know, we're going to stop the, the love of the police that the Democrats uh, trot out and say, you know, we need to do something about the police because they're racist and they murder black people all the time. You know, I think that if there was a political organization that took that up and then stood by it, it'd be no, it'd be no contest. I think we just have to build, you have to build that thing and push those, those politics. Yeah. Yeah. That time has to come because I mean, clearly the Democratic Republican party, they, they have been exposed for what they really are. I mean, they really have. And, and if you really are following, you know, as, as a working class person, as a citizen, if you really follow and stand up on the thing, you, you gotta see that they've been exposed. And if you haven't, that means that you really have been, you know, like, I don't know, you, you, you've kind of been like, you accepted their, their party line and, and you just kind of become blind to whatever else is going around you. I mean, that's all, that's all the way that I can see it. I mean, the, 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 kinds of, the kinds of stuff that has been brought out, you know, by WikiLeaks, by just the candidates themselves, I mean, it should just be crystal clear. That they, who they work for. I mean, the Democratic Party is just sitting back in the wings, waiting for their time again, so that they can, you know, and they're not going to come out for working class. They're not going to really push. They they they're not even out there in the forefront of talking about impeachment. I mean, they, they should have been all over this. It'd be so easy that they could do this, and and, and you only see just a few yeah. of them, um, you know, uh, Mike, like Maxine Waters and people like that. That only a few have just been totally out there in front, hitting it hard. And this is the opportunity the Democratic Party should, should be doing that. But no, they're, they're coming out again. They're weak because they're just waiting for their time again to, to be on the side of, um, you know, get, to get the money grab. And, and that's all it's about. It's, it's, it's the money that they're, that they're about. They're not really about serious change. And that's the reason why I am so impressed by this conference because, I mean, you're talking, you guys are talking about four days. And, and you're having like you know sessions running from like nine in the morning, you know, to to around three or something like that, and and that's just phenomenal. I mean, that's just the amount of you know discussions that are going to take place. I mean, you have over a hundred different workshops or meetings going on in those four days. I mean, that, just the amount of that, and and I'm pretty sure you're going to have a lot of media coverage. I hope, uh, at least from the terms of the independent independent media. Um, are, are, are some of the online, uh, I know Democracy Now! is probably going to be there covering it. I, I would imagine the Young Turks, uh, some, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, Russia, to, uh, Russia, what is it called, Russia Today, or um, what's the name of the, the, it's, uh, the ones that the television program online, but I think it's the name of it right now. But anyway, I'm, so I'm, I'm pretty sure we don't have a lot of coverage. And, and so this is phenomenal to see that level of discussion, but that's the reason why we started socialist vision, you know, it's just one more, you know, small, even though it's small, 
kind of outlet to just talk about a vision for something different. This is the yeah. time to talk about a vision for something different. This, this is, I mean, the time is better like today than it was in, in decades ago when we were had started getting involved. So, um, you know, like, so I mean, how do you guys reach out to people and get people involved? What do you do? Um, I mean, I think I think that this conference is one of the principal ways that we try to build the biggest, most exciting event and to talk about mm-hmm. what people are doing. And it's also a networking mm-hmm. um, opportunity to figure out what's the way forward. And so, I think that, like you know, you mentioning all the different panels and the world that we want to see. I think like the, the, what it means to be a socialist, to connect all the different struggles and to be the sort of tribune of the oppressed is really exemplified by all the, the, the panels that, that you can go see. And so, you know, you can start and go to a meeting on transgender liberation and then go and mm-hmm. see activists from Standing Rock talk about, uh, you know, th- their struggle. And then uh, a panel, you know, No Ban, No Wall, that includes, you know, someone fighting is- uh, Islamophobia um, against deportations, you know, cross-border, uh, cross-border union solidarity, um, and then go and talk about uh, strikes in China, um, and then go and be like, well, we need to know our Marxist classics and go to a discussion on Lenin's left-wing communism <laughs> right. and then close out mm-hmm. with a large plenary about, like, the socialist world that, that, that we need. And then when you're done, then you hang out in the bar and you discuss with, you know, a thousand, oh, yeah. two thousand other socialists about everything that you saw and what do we need, and you argue and you learn and you build relationships. And then you go to sleep very late, <laughs> and then you get up yeah, and yeah. you do it again, and you come away yeah. and you're you're transformed, and you are also part of transforming a a broader left uh, through this. And so I think that like the the answer to how we reach out to people is to do something like this. That it's pitched broad. Yeah. It's not like we want people who to come if they don't think X or Y, but we also want people to come and, like, be prepared to con- be convinced and also to argue with us and, you know, to be a part of what I think is the, the relearning of a political culture that the left needs to be able to advance. And I think the other element of it, too, is for it to be international, too. Um, I think we've talked about all the different panels, but another one of the things that we always try to do is to bring people from around the world because we see, like we were saying before, Socialism has to be on an international basis. We're not going to have socialism in one country and because the working class doesn't have just one country. Workers actually have no country. And so, you right. know, in these different sessions and, you know, in the hallways afterwards, you know, you can talk to uh, people who are going to be coming from Greece who are part of the, the internationalist workers left and the Red Network, which is a group that was in Syriza, to talk about the lessons they drew from the broad party fighting austeria in Greece. Um, you know, you can talk to uh, Leon Clemoux with the uh, Nouveau Parti Anticapitaliste from France to talk about the recent French elections and to talk about the, the, the far right. Um, there will be people from the, the Mexican Socialist Workers Party who will be talking with uh, socialists from Quebec about teacher struggles north and south uh, of the border and Venezuelan socialists uh, debating and discussing 
the the fall of the pink tide and the current crisis that's going on in Venezuela. And so I think that that discussion is also expanded beyond our borders. And then there's a lot of voices um, from all over the world who are going to be coming to be a part of uh, this discussion um, and this debate and this event. So now for those of us who who, who are not privileged to attend this year, but I'm yeah. hopefully – Hopefully next year. Will you be putting some of the um, sessions on on YouTube or other places? So you will yep. you be so, doing video recording. Yeah. So uh, every session will be audio recorded, and okay. is on a website called WeAreMini.org. And so you can actually go there now and and start mm-hmm. to listen to conference talks from the past I think five years or so. Um, okay. And usually, probably a couple weeks afterwards, we try to get up. Um, all the sessions will be audio recorded, um, and then certain sessions okay. will, will be video recorded. Um, because definitely, Good. we want to get these ideas out to folks like yourself, who for some reason can't make it this year, but you can you know, right. listen in and think about it, and then show up next year with some like real informed opinions about something. Definitely, definitely. So we are... We are many.org, so go definitely check that out. I, I know I will, and I'll also be tweeting uh, some of those uh, uh, ones, uh, audios that are, are posted, because this is, this is the time right now. We have a good time to just be having these kind of discussions, even though we're under, we under the, the threat of fascism, and I mean that sincerely. We still have the opportunity to, to take advantage of these kinds of, of uh, gatherings like this, also the Internet things like that, to, to really be having these debates right now. Um, let me ask you this, though. In the, in the International Association, do you have chapters around the country, around the world? I mean, do people, when people join, how do they join it, and what happens when they join? Yep. So uh, the International Socialist Organization is, of course, a national organization, but we have uh, sister different organizations around uh, the world. And so we have... Um, about 50 chapters um, around the country. Um, a okay. lot more information about our organization can be found at internationalsocialist.org. Um, and there, there's a lot of material about like what we think and, and where we stand and that sort of thing. But as far as like people joining the ISO, um, I think definitely if you're a place where there's a branch, um, all of our branches meet weekly. Um, usually the meetings are open, and so you can go online and look up your city and drop a drop an email, and someone will get back to you, and you can go uh, find the branches operating in your city. If, um, if for some reason you're in a place where we don't have a branch, I think there's a place you can contact us, and someone will get back with you and, and start talking about joining. Um, and joining our organization, I think, has been some other left organizations, we don't want to have just members who are on paper where you just, you know, fill out a little dues card and you, you get your thing. But we're trying to, to build, you know, an active organization. And so, you know, there's a process mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what, what you're doing and we want people to be uh, involved and active participants um, in, in, in our organization. And so, yeah, internationalsocialist.org. Uh, there's a bunch of readings there. So uh, there's a document called Where We Stand where you can go through and you can be like, what do they say about this or that? Um, and then look and see if there's a, a branch near near you. Um, fill out the contact form. 
Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're able to, come to Socialism 2017 because we'll have a, a big table there, and we want to meet anyone who wants to meet us. Definitely. Well, look, I, I know our time has come so quickly, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come out and explain to us about it. And I've learned some more. Even though I looked at the website, I learned about uh, the, the, how we're, you know, the audios are going to be posted up and the videos are going to be posted up. And so um, really great. And I, and I really look forward to, to being there next year. But if you're a listener, archive listener, definitely uh, if you're in Chicago or near Chicago, or if you can find your way to get there, definitely do that because I think you're going to leave knowing more than when you, than when you came. And there's going to be some great ways to just make some connections with people, and that's what I'm excited about. Um, I, I, I'm, I just think this is great. I, I, um, I, maybe we can, hopefully, maybe I can call you and ask about uh, maybe rerunning, running one of the audios on one of our on one of our shows or something like that, or maybe mm-hmm. we, maybe we'll uh, you know get some excerpts from it or something like that and, and do that as well, so that we can be a part of the conversation. But thank yeah, you so much that for coming sounds on. Great. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having thank me. You, thank you. Again. More conversations in every corner of the, the world is going to help, you know, build a socialist future. And, you know, mm-hmm. go to socialismconference.org, go to internationalsocialist.org, go to socialistworker.org, and, you know, join something. We'd like for you to join the International Socialist Organization. Uh, that'd be great, but everyone should join something because you're right. I think there's a time now, um, and we have to grasp that and be a part of mm-hmm. um, making that, that better world. So thanks for having Thank me, you. and you know, mm-hmm. be happy to come back, and and you know, hopefully we'll see y'all in Chicago, if not this year, next year. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. We will definitely thank have you. you back. All right. Take care. Have a good. Thank evening. you so much. Great. You too. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, man. Yeah, that was great. I'm 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 pumped. I wish I could go, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, my wife has really been pushing to go. She really wants to go. So I, she mm-hmm. wants to. Because of the um, some of the the original black feminists are going to be there, and uh, mm. I think there are going to be a lot of black feminists at this uh, Socialist 2017 conference um, there. Yeah, and and a lot of the yeah. original uh, from Kampachi, um Collective is going to be there, who wrote that um, initial document. So uh, mm. it's really it's, yeah. to me when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is a really powerful, very um, uh, thought-provoking, organizing, uh, really uh, connect uh, with a vast range of folks, Um, uh, not just, you know, just heady on the, uh, you know, uh, the theoretical terms of debate around revolution and reform, but more around some of the um, concrete uh, everyday struggles that people have to work through. which is what I really like. I mean, I, I like the theory. I do get deep into the theory, and I'm reading Terry Ingleton's book on materialism, and um, it's, I would tell people it's not relative, relevant for people's everyday lives, um, but I am concerned about the ideological debates that are not taking place, and that's why I raised mm. the question around uh what the left can do to expand the notion around what what the working class. We need to be in the, in the arena. We need to struggle wherever we are at, and the, and have these ideological discussion and debate to reshape uh, 
uh, and, and change in our own struggle. I can't I can't change the the media, but in engagement of struggle, we need to have the, the discussion and debate about what does it mean to be a part of the working class. And I would argue the vast majority of the working class is is, is brown, and you know, and not in, uh, necessarily industrial. But even if it's industrial, as he described, he's right. If you take a worldview, the vast majority of the working class is in China. Mm-hmm. India, South Africa, Latin America. That's a vast majority. There are not, in many cases, particularly China and India, and even to a certain degree in, in, in South America, it is not entirely a peasant-based economy anymore. It has become more of an industrial-based economy. So you're, the, saying, so you're saying, you're, you're saying, and he's saying, you're saying, those workers, you're talking about workers who are tied more to the production that right. fuels the capitalist economy, even though we know that these other kind of service sector jobs, you know, again, from, work, from working at McDonald's all the way to being a secretary, all the way to right. being a doctor, is also working class, but it's not right. directly tied as, as opposed to saying factory workers in China, when we know the shit that they produce, definitely, you know, they, they stop producing shit, shit's fucked up. Okay. Right. So, right. I think. Right. But, but I think. But what happens is our 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 perspective is only limited to the belly of the beast, and when the belly of the beast, where finance capital and the service sector and the finance sector dominates, and we don't have much of an industrial base anymore. People d- believe that there is no working class because in the academia, Marxist academia and others who have been pushing this, these because uh, these are not necessarily neoliberal types. These are the post-Marxist types and the post-modernist types who have been pushing this notion that the working class no longer exists. We are now entities. We are now identify ourselves as either transgender or gay or lesbian or African-American that's all we are now. We're no longer part of the working. That doesn't exist. But that's, I would call, American-centric notion. If you take a world notion, the vast majority of the working class in the world are not white. They're predominantly Asian. They are predominantly mm-hmm. Indian. They are dark yellow. They have color. Um, they, um, uh, and if they decide to stop producing your iPhone, uh, you won't get an iPhone. If they stop producing your car, uh, put a part in your, and not, not produce a part in your car, or you fabricate this particular steel, your whole economy will come to, to, to a halt. So that's one of the reasons why it is in, in China, it is so repressive. Labor laws are so repressive. Um, and it's very difficult to organize and, and, and very difficult to uh, recognize as Chinese working class with independent power outside of the so-called Communist Party because they are told that they're all one people um, and, and that they're not necessarily part, but, they are, they, but because of the conditions, they see it, they feel it, they're part of it, but it's difficulty of the org. Of organizing, it is difficulty of the pollution of 
of, of ideological thinking. Um, uh, uh, and, and in the U.S., we have the pollution of ideological thinking from the post-Marxists and post-modernists who simply says, you're not, you're not a worker. Yeah, you something but, else. But let, me, but let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I also, I also want to point out just a, a few things in terms of the conference again, because this is what the show is about. They're going to have oh, okay. uh, Remy Kanazi, who's the uh, Palestine solidarity activist, Alicia right. about, uh, Garza, who is, uh, you know, everybody knows, co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Uh, Wayne Yo, A.U., is who I've met, um, Rethinking Schools. And then uh, Barbara Ransby, uh, author of the Oh, I know her. She's really, if, you, if anything, you got to go see her. I mean, she wrote the yeah. book on the, um, uh, called uh, Ella Baker and the Black Freedom Movement. Uh, she's, um, mm-hmm. she's really, really, really good. Very personable person. Very knowledgeable. Very sharp. But these, I mean, they have the cream of the crop, the top, pardon on, High caliber, very thought-provoking, mm-hmm. very sharp folks who are going to be at this uh, conference. I mean, par yeah. none. Yeah. Um, and so if you can get there, get there. Figure out a way to get there. Hustle something, some dollars. If you're in and around Chicago, there should. Be, if you live in Chicago, there should be no reason why you you're not there. That's if you're right. somewhere in, right. in Wisconsin, it, it, it is, it is New modestly, York, it is modestly yeah. priced, and I know that the part of yeah. a lot of the money is probably. Going to the hotel and the conference, but it, it is modestly priced. So, just, right. so yeah, so, so that notion of, I think, uh, well, we have. A, let me get this call in because we had, we had one caller was able to uh, was left. So let me, um, so call it two. Let's see, hold on a second. Call it uh, Eric code two five four. Who's calling? Hey guys, it's Jay. Oh, hey Jay. All right, I'm, I'm gonna write your phone number down so I know that it's you. So, were you able to listen to the uh, to the show? Um, unfortunately, I just got in. I've been busy doing some organizing things in Texas myself. So, um, okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, people are definitely so, listening to the, ar- the archive thing. Yeah, we were just talking about, um, you know, we had talked to some interview someone about the Socialist uh, Conference 2017, and I've been kind of pumping it up uh, some on Twitter. I'm gonna do it some more uh, when I uh, this week I'll be uh, posting up some to, to go up some content to go up there. But yeah, right now uh, Jay, we're talking about this, this this notion of what the worker is, and and Carl, for me, you know, I, I definitely get when we say you know the the majority of the the the, the, the workers in terms of being tied to the struggle, I mean tied to that that traditional definition is you find that in Asia, you know, South America and South Africa. But Carl, I'm I'm just wondering too, though, in terms of how we, how we, I don't want to say sell socialism, but how we make people understand what the vision of socialism is all about and what difference it will make into the lives of ordinary people. People have to begin to see their relationship to capitalism. So even though that what you do as a job, again working at McDonald's or again working at, um, you know, a secretary or again working even as a lawyer, right? That that capitalism affects you, even though you that you may benefit from it. That there are some people that benefit from capitalism more than others, right? Uh, particularly people who make investments, people who are shareholders. Shit, they make a lot, a lot of money uh, just being a shareholder. I mean, when 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 say Apple, you know, it, it it has its workers, it has its consumers, but its shareholders who don't do an ounce of fucking work at all. Um, make a lot of money 
when Apple makes a lot of money, for example, right? So uh, that's what, but I'm also saying that we live in a situation where people are still working too much, even though they might not be working on the factory floor, their ass is working 60 hours a week sometimes. They're not getting um, the, the benefits of capitalism uh, 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 that, that, that we should, all of us, in that sense. And so socialism, we're saying that socialism will have greater benefits because, A, we're talking about reduced work hours. We're talking about being more involved in the decision-making process, more democracy. We're talking about universal health care, universal education. We're talking about nationalization of, of resources. That has a, a, a dynamic effect on the economy. We're talking about getting rid of this kind of uh, um, shareholder um, economy, which, you know, this, to me is backwards um, and, and, it's, and it's wrong and it's, and it's not benefiting everybody. So, so we're getting rid of finance capital. Those are the things that are going to make the kind of change that we're talking about in society and people, how do we get people to understand that? See, and that's what I'm, and I'm saying this to you too, Jay, if you, you have any thoughts on that as well, is getting people to understand that this is the, when we talk about change and revolution, this is what it means. It's not about just the left coming to power or just the workers coming to power, but there is a serious change going to happen um, in the day-to-day experiences and economic and political and cultural realities of the people. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, if I might be able to help a little bit, the main thing yeah, that ahead. I've seen, the main thing that I've seen with my organizing is people don't understand anything that's conc- that's abstract, such as socialism versus capitalism, because mm-hmm. to them they live with the capitalism their entire lives. But when I start sitting here and getting a concrete example of something that they can sit here and hold on to, such as health care. Like, nobody wants Obamacare, but we know we can do a lot better because every other country in the world has done it. When I start sitting here and talking about somebody, about health care, I don't talk about, say, ACA, Obamacare, and all that. I sit here and say, how much do you want to spend for your children to sit here and have some health care? And then, like, um, I have friends of mine that are like black conservatives we don't talk about like we talk about education but he happens to have like his family into montessori schools or paideia you Mm -hmm. know and i i got to weave into their talk about paideia schools and the difference is with a montessori school you have like groups of first second and third graders together and then you know they teach each other but there's also a teacher there versus, say, a private school where you don't know what they're going to be taught because the administration administrator has all of the power. Like, the power dynamics is easy to tell people, as well as if you can sit here and try to simplify it a little bit. These seem to be the best ways to get people to understand that there is a type of socialism that they have to be that they can be a part of, and that's what I've that I've had certain successes with that. Like I have one guy that wants to be a part of um, like a cooperative medical center, like a he wants to start a cooperative medical center. And mm-hmm. with that being said, that makes it so that it's easier to. 
like we have a problem where the hospitals are being outsourced. Like, um, you know, the ERs, they're they're being mm-hmm. outsourced. So what they're trying to do is the hospitals outsource the ER. He wants to make a cooperative type of medical center that works to the benefit of the community. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, the only thing is he doesn't know how to do it. So we have to have <laughs> that political structure. Mm-hmm. But we have we have to get the political structure in place. We also have to get the mm-hmm. economic structure in place, and that's what we've been trying to organize in every way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And these are just some of the right. problems that you know us with our socialist leanings are trying to figure out, and it's it's difficult. So it is difficult. It is difficult. Carl, what are you what are you saying on that, man? Yeah, I, I think all of that is um, is important. I think. Um, you know, breaking things down to people so that they can understand in in their concrete lives how socialism, and without using the word socialism, um, using cooperative, um, you know, commutative, you know, wide varieties of different approaches that are much more radical than the current um, uh, situation to engage people in that part of the discussion. But we also need uh, a, a wave of people engaged both not only in discussion but also in the struggle. And so part of it has to take both uh, uh, having a dialogue and on different levels. Um, there are those who are very active in, you know, healthcare struggles that just, you know, they can't move off the neoliberal um uh, approach or haven't been offered a different approach other than the neoliberal approach. So we need to have that level of of discussion and ideological debate because there's a, there's going to be a you know confusion for once people get engaged in struggle and other people are going to say well this is the solution this is the way you should do it. And part of that we, they will learn through practice as a you know different things are. Uh, Test it out and see if they work, and and and, and it, both in practice or um, um, their failure. And so I think we're going to have to; those two components are going to have to take place. And lastly, um, the, the, I think as the uh, as Brian previously mentioned, um, we're going to continuously go through economic crisis. So there's going to be more and more contradictions taking place in the society where the, the the bourgeoisie and liberals will offer up all kinds of solutions and you know people will think that, well they must be competent they must know this they must have a phd so therefore we must follow them or they was elected to office therefore we must follow them and and it fails and so we have to be there to be able to articulate uh, one, it was never going to work because it doesn't resolve the fundamental contradiction. Um, and then two, socialism um, can actually address and deal with these problems that uh, that took place. But again, we will have to do it on multiple levels. One, on a level of you know good, solid analysis, really. Um, uh, explaining it to people in concrete terms where they understand it, and being engaged in the struggle to provide leadership in terms of of 
what is the correct path of getting there. When people can see all of that working together, you can begin to move a larger number of of folks in your particular direction. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. I think this is the greatest opportunity we've we've had in a very, very long time. Yeah, and that's that's what I I think when the last show – we at the end of the last show we we kind of got in that discussion and I was I was thinking about it and I'm like man this this is you know the time is right for this and and I mean I'm not saying that that socialism is going to come in the next couple of years what I'm saying is is that that when we look at the the development of technology we look at the development of the communications uh, apparatuses that we have we look at the the, the serious crisis in capitalism. We look at the, the fact that people are clearly understanding that the, uh, a, a huge amount of wealth is going to a smaller and smaller and smaller amount, uh, number of people. Again, we talk about 62 people own more wealth than the entire half, bottom half of the population, 62 people. So when, when, when you emphasize that to people and, and, and help them get beyond seeing that as, a, as an abstract thing, but that's real, that, that in other words, you are struggling economically, in, you know, right now because wealth is going to a small amount of people. You are wondering why, when you go out and work, you're not making a lot of money. I was talking to one of my uh, my sister's uh, um, um, nephew, that, and she got a job at Target, for example, and she's making ten dollars an hour. Now she's only eighteen years old. All right, she's already seen that ten dollars an hour ain't shit. Then you can't do anything for ten dollars an hour. And I said, well, you know, well, who's working at? At, at Target. Well, she's at mostly adults. It's not. It's not like you know. You're not young people, seven, sixteen years old. These are these are people that are adults who have kids. And so when you're, even if you're making fucking twelve dollars an hour, even if you're making fucking fifteen dollars an hour, it's nothing. It's nothing. When when a worker, when I mean, when a capitalist or a corporation like uh, Target pays you ten to fifteen dollars an hour, that means that. They're, they're, that means that they're making a lot more money off of you because if they weren't, if they weren't, they wouldn't be paying you that. So they're saying, here's the minimum that I can pay you. I'm going to pay you ten or fifteen dollars an hour because that way I'm going to still make Uber's a lot of money off of your labor when you're there. As a matter of fact, you're going to make your paycheck probably the first day on Monday when you're going to work. You made your paycheck on Monday. For the rest of the fucking week, you're working for them. We said this a number of times. That's how I explained that to her. I said, understand, you made your paycheck in one day, and the rest of the time is going to them, and that money, they take that, them profits they make, and they give it over to their shareholders who don't do any work at all, none, nothing, right? So I think that we have to, this is the reason why I kind of study how, like, you know, where this money is going, how it's made, who's profiting, Right? I try to study that stuff because most people don't understand that. And we're not even talking about the word socialism. We're not even talking about capitalism in the abstract. We're talking about it in terms of your day-to-day reality. When you go to work, you're selling yourself, and there are people who are making – how do these billionaires make the money they have? How do they gain that wealth? If we don't talk about that and we don't put that in real terms and real kind of realistic uh, a view of that, then people won't get upset enough. They won't get upset because – they think, well, this is the best we can do. This is the best that can happen. And it's not. Uh-huh. It's, it's really not. We can do a hell of a lot better. And I think that we have to, to um, you know, find ways to say how do, how do you know, we can kind of build a sort like 
a cooperative, look at cooperatives. Look at, you know, mm-hmm. what Jay talked about in terms of the monastery, monastery schools. Cause my, my children went to a monastery school. There were some pluses and minuses about it in terms of the curriculum. But we need to look at any kind of models that we can have. You know, we can look at, we don't have, you know, we can look at what's going on in Cuba and say what, what's, been, what's been successful there, what's not been successful. We can look at some of the emerging, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, basic income um, uh, uh, applications that are happening, even though that was, that's not socialism, but we can say what happens when people are getting uh, a safety net of $1,000 a month or whatever uh, above their income, right? Again, we look at those models and we do research and we, and we you know, we, we do research on it and we report the research back. You know, we say, what is the outcome of that? This is what we have to do when we talk about social revolution. It can't be just talking about workers of the world unite. I mean, I, I'm sick of hearing that. That's not going to get people... <laughs> To get involved with socialist movement That is not You got to say Whoa. This is what Bernie tried to do Bernie tried to say Look If we did Universal College education Right This is what it's going to mean Economically This is how we pay for it Economically This is what it's going to mean When we can have uh, 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 Senior citizens People you know Retiring at age 62 And not working until they're 70, 75, and 80 Right It has a dramatic effect on the economy. This is what it means when we have an economy that people are not in debt, as opposed to where we have an economy that's saying, look, we're going to get, we're going to reduce the profit motive, we're going to put caps on wealth accumulation, and this is what it's going to have, this is the kind of economic effect that it's going to have on, on ordinary people. Those are the kind of things I like to see us talk about more and more, as opposed to just saying, well, you know, the workers got to unite. And I'm not, and to be honest with you, I don't even want to use the phrase, um, to each, what does it say? The Marxist phrase to, to like to each according, according to, to their merit, something to that effect. Yeah, each what is it? according to their ability. Yeah. Ah, I forgot it. I don't it, want to say but... that anymore. I don't want to say that anymore. I, I think that's. I think that's. I think that's a cop out. And I'm not saying. I think. I think I understand the term, and I and I appreciate the term, and and all, and and and, and, and essence of what it said, and, and you know, philosophically speaking, or. Whatever, but I want to be able to break it down in a very concrete way, and I think that's what the Bernie website tried to do for a but while. That's, that's like, the, hey, but that's that, that, you know? that, No, there's there's Go two ahead. things. There's two things you always yeah. have to keep in mind. There mm-hmm. there are things you have to have a, a more uh, holistic or or or, or, or more un, deeper understanding of what you know what's going on. That's not for everybody. That is for the most skilled, the most developed person. For the vast majority mm-hmm. of people, don't necessarily have to know even the Communist Manifesto. All they have mm-hmm. to know is what's happening in their life. But to do that, it takes a certain skilled person who has a very strong and deep understanding of the broader analysis and to be able to translate that. Our problem right. is that we, have, we separate the two. You don't separate the two. You unite the mm-hmm. two. It is a question of where do you speak, who do you speak to? So if you're speaking to the average working class person, you don't say from each according to his ability to each according to his need. You basically simply say, listen, you want your life better, this is how we do, this is what it would look like. You don't have to, right. A good organizer knows that. A good agitator right. knows that. An incompetent uh, academic person don't know that. And so this, because an incompetent 
organizer or academic person can only think in one dimension and cannot understand how to take uh, larger, complex ideas and break it down to the average person to make sense in their everyday particular lives. So that's the, mm-hmm. that's the disconnect. What I see is, is, is the people said these two should never meet. I disagree. They shouldn't meet. It's a question That's of right. no, I how, how, how you make it, how do you explain it to the working class is the question. That is the fundamental question. And it is, a, it is and the fundamental problem of the left is that they haven't had the ability or continuous ability in, in deep struggle. Oftentimes the folks on the left are either academic left, they're in Ivory Tower University writing plenty of books, and then there are those who are on the, who are engaged in the field, you know, labor struggles or mass struggles, who basically have just basic rudimentary stuff, but there's no connection. And so well, I think that's what's really fundamentally missing today. Well, if I might interject just a little bit, um, I think that we that is – Real quick. Well, two books, ahead, Missing ahead, Class, Betsy Leondar Wright. Jane McLevy, no shortcuts in regards to connecting class and also labor struggles. And I'll probably talk about those if I can call back next week. Oh, definitely call back next week. Oh, definitely. We're running out of time, but definitely, definitely call back next week. And I want to let people know to go to to go to socialismconference.org, and uh, there also the hashtag is Socialism Conference 2017, I believe. So definitely pump that up if you're one of our listeners. There, definitely just pump it up. Even if you're not going to the to the uh, to the conference, po- uh, post it up anyway. So it's socialism 2017 is the hashtag. Let's let's make that hashtag uh, get popular on there. Hopefully, wish we wish we can get it to trend. It would be great if we can get it to trend. But anyway, uh, so definitely appreciate uh, Brian B for coming on our show. We hope to have him back again. And Jay, definitely have you come back. Try to call in earlier too, so we can get you more, more of your input. We really appreciate it, you guys. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks. Take care.